hello everybody um welcome back to horror happy hour again we just want to say we are sorry that we took a week off but we just needed a little break um that week a lot was going on and we just never got to to record and sit and write because friday was my brother's graduation as well as adriana's birthday so we really didn't have the time to sit and write and record and think and talk about this week's episode. Also, we are sorry we never did the recap. We just decided it would be redundant. If you saw our tweet last week, we posted why we didn't upload. But, so here we are, back up and running with a brand new series. Yes, we are in season two of Horror Happy Hour. Um, this season is Innocent versus Guilty. Adriana, care to um, explain what this season will entail? Of course. Hey guys, I'm so happy to be back. Like Laura said, we needed a break this week. But we're back and we're ready to roll. So without further ado, this is our new series. It's called Innocent vs. Guilty and I'm really excited about this. So basically, Innocent vs. Guilty will be reviewing a high-profile case where we have a suspect that there's a lot of debate on whether they'll be considered innocent or guilty. And basically, uh, me and Laura are going to go over each case and then we're going to ask each other the question, Innocent versus Guilty. But actually, first off, before we start this, we want to give a shout out to at OGreatGames22 on Twitter for sending us a really nice DM. So thank you. Yes, thank you for the support. Um, I very much appreciate hearing from you guys. So that was very heartfelt for me. And now, this is season two of Horror Happy Hour, episode one of Innocent vs. Guilty. Um, And as always, this is a disclaimer. This podcast contains strong language and possible triggering topics such as murder, rape, suicide, etc. If you are sensitive or triggered to any of these topics, please listen no further. And now, without further ado, we present Season 2, Innocent vs. Guilty. Episode 1, Casey Anthony. Yeah, we decided to do Casey Anthony, and this case makes me really angry. And it's because... um, Basically, this case is um, a mother who was accused of murdering her daughter. Um, And basically, I felt like because there's so much circumstantial evidence that suggests that her mother did have something to do with this, it makes me so angry because I felt like it was very obvious that she had something to do with this. Definitely. And so I'm going to give you a little recap about what this case was, like who was this girl that was killed and who was her mother. So... So Kaylee Anthony was a beautiful little girl who was found murdered in the woods near her house in Florida in 2008 after not being reported missing for a long period of time. Casey, her mother, was a prime suspect in this case because Anthony was reportedly with her daughter, according to her parents, during those 31 days that she was missing, and also because there is much circumstantial evidence against her, which we, which we will be diving much deeper into. Kaylee Marie Anthony was born on August 9th in 2005 and sadly died in 2008. She lived in Orlando, Florida with her mother, Casey, and her grandparents, George and Cindy. Casey was last seen on June 16th, 2008, but she wasn't reported missing until almost a whole month later, July 15th. Her grandmother didn't report her missing for a whole month. To me, something isn't right about that. Like, to me, that's fishy. I agree. I don't know about you. What do you think? I definitely agree with that. I mean... Any mother that is okay or, you know, any grandmother, any family member that's okay with a child being missing for that long, 
Like, wouldn't you get worried after, like, maybe a couple of days of having no contact with the child or having a mother be like, nah, she's fine, you know, we're not gonna, Mm -hmm. you know, after, like, a week, then then I start to get a little worried. But they waited a month. A whole, a whole month went by. A whole month went by. When most parents would report their child missing, or most grandparents or parents would report their child missing within, like, a day or two. Yeah. Which is insane to me. So, according to Casey's father, George Anthony, Casey and Kaylee left their home on June 16, 2008, and they did not return for a month. Her mother, Casey, Kaylee's grandmother, asked Casey multiple times during that month to see her daughter... But Casey reportedly told her she was too busy with an assignment in Tampa. According to Casey, she claimed that Kaylee was with a nanny. Z. Nadia? Nanny Fernandez Gonzalez, who took Kaylee to theme parks or the beach. This is the first thing that shows this bitch is crazy, because this woman, Zanny, did exist, but she never met Casey, Kaylee, their family, or any of Casey's friends. Which is definitely a red flag. Basically, she never met anyone of the Anthony family. Exactly. So, when George went to go pick up Casey's car after finding out it was in a tow yard, he and the attendant noticed a strong odor of what they believed to be a decomposing body. Doesn't that give you a clue? So, they investigated it only to find a bag of trash. Finally, after 31 days, Cindy reported her granddaughter, 2-year-old Kaylee, missing on July 15th to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. She told the police, in quotes, There is something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. So, okay, wouldn't that give you a clue to maybe question Casey Anthony? I definitely would. I mean, even if she is my daughter, like, I would be like, hey, where's my granddaughter? I miss her. I want to see her. I haven't seen her in a long time. Not even, not even that. You don't see your granddaughter for almost a whole month. When you're used to being around them so much, so they live together. Exactly. You know, there's a difference between, like, you know, a grandparent, you know, not really being close with them and not seeing them for a while. That's, like, normal. But the fact that they actually live together... is a little fishy. Exactly. Like, that's when it gets fishy. Like, if you live together in close proximity and, you know, they're gone for more than a month, well, almost mm-hmm. a month, then it gets fishy. So. During the initial investigation, Detective Yuri Milch... Side note, again, if we butcher these names, we apologize. Of the Orange County Sheriff's Department, or OCSD for short, found inconsistencies in Casey's written statement. At first, Casey claimed that Kaylee was kidnapped by the fake nanny known as Zanny, which we now turned out to be a woman who never even met them. She told the police also that she worked at Universal Studios, which ended up being a lie that she told her parents for years. The police brought her to Universal Studios on July 16th, 2008, where she asked, where she was asked to show them her office. Well, surprise, surprise, she had no office because this bitch lied. She wasted the police's time by walking around the whole building before admitting she was fired years ago. Anthony is then arrested on July 16th for child neglect, giving false statements and obstruction. She was denied bail, and the judge said that Casey showed woeful disregard for the welfare of her child. I mean, yeah, I would agree. You don't report anything until a month later. Yeah, and we're going to get into more. On July 22nd, 2008, the bail was set to $500,000. Jesus Christ. On August 21st, 
2008, after one month of being held in the jail cell, she was released after her bail was posted by California bail bondsman Leonard Padilla's nephew, hoping she would cooperate with the police and Kaylee would eventually be found. So on August 11th, 12th, 13th, and 2008, the police were called by a man named Roy Cronk because a quote-unquote suspicious object was found in the woods near their residence. At first, nothing came out of it. But then the second time he called, the police found a skull. But again, it didn't lead to anything. The third time, they found Kaylee's body in a trash bag. Detectives recovered duct tape that had hair on it and hit you from her skull on it. In in December of 2008, medical examiner Jane Garavaglia, which, side note, I loved her show and made my mind was to watch it. (laughs) I love that show so much. But anyway, she confirmed the remains were Kaylee's. Her matter of death was a homicide. She was off. Casey was offered a limited immunity on July 10th, 2008, by the prosecution. It was related to "quote unquote" the false statements given to law enforcement about locating her child, which was renewed on August 25th and expired by August 28th. And Casey did not take this deal. In September 2008, she was released again on bail after an electronic tracking device was given to her. Again, her bond at $500,000 was posted by her parents after they signed a promissory note. On October 14, 2008, Casey was officially indicted by the grand jury on charges of first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and not one, not two, not three, but four counts of providing false information to the police. On October 21st, charges of child neglect were dropped because, quote-unquote, the evidence proved that the child was deceased. The state sought an indictment on the legal appropriate charges. On October 28th, she pleaded not guilty. On, on April 13, 2009, prosecutors announced they planned to seek the death penalty against Casey Anthony for the murder of her daughter. In October 2009, officials released 700 pages of documents. 700 pages. Showing that Casey looked up neck breaking and how to make chloroform on her computer. If that doesn't scream guilty, I don't know what does. According to detectives, evidence included residue of heart-shaped sticker found on the duct tape of the mouth of the skull that was found. However, the lab didn't show the heart shape photographically after the duct tape was subjected to dye testing. A blanket was also found at the crime scene that matched her daughter's bedding at her grandparents' home. Also, it was shown that Casey looked up the word chloroform 84 fucking times. And this bitch isn't guilty. Or so they thought. It was found that there were a few flaws in the software and chloroform was actually only looked up once. How do you even make that huge of a mistake? I have no idea because that's a huge difference. 84 versus 1. 84 versus, yeah. I would say like, oh. Maybe if it was like. 15 and then like, oh, it's only like 3 times but like 84 to 1. Yeah. Anyway. The trial began on May 24th, 2011. Take a drink anytime happened in May with any of these Honestly, podcasts like, we did. It wasn't even just this one. It's um, Eileen Warnos. Everything happened in May to that bitch. Everything. It was, it was crazy. So May 24th, 2011, the trial began at Orange County Courthouse with Judge Belvin Perry. In the opening statements, lead prosecutor... Linda Drain Burdick 
Sorry. Describe the story <laughs> of the disappearance of child of Kaylee Anthony day by day. The prosecution had alleged an international murder and sought for the death penalty against Casey. Prosecutors stated that Anthony had used chloroform to render her daughter unconscious before putting duct tape over her nose and mouth in order to suffocate her and left Kaylee's body in the trunk of her car for a few days before disposing of it. Can you just imagine the smell? That's what they were saying, that the smell was coming from the car. wow. They characterized Anthony as a party girl who killed her daughter to free herself from parental responsibilities and enjoy her personal life. Now, there's other options than murdering your child. A, give her to her grandparents, or B, this is kind of horrible, give her to the system. Yeah. Foster care. It's, it's Or find another family member to Exactly. Take First of all, I want to know where her father is in the situation. I don't think the father was ever mentioned, honestly. I really don't think so. Damn. Um, the defense led by Jose Baez claimed in an opening statement that Kaylee had drowned accidentally in the family's pool on June 16th and was found by George Anthony, who told Casey... She would spend the rest of her life in jail for child neglect and then proceeded to cover up Kaylee's death. Baez argued that this is why Casey Anthony went on with her life and failed to report the incident for 31 days. He alleged that it was the habit of a lifetime for Casey to hide her pain and pretend that nothing was wrong and nothing was going on because she had been sexually abused by George Anthony since she was 8 years old and her brother Lee had also made advances towards her. But there was no evidence to suggest that. There was that. no evidence to suggest that, number one. And number two, why would you live with your abusive father as you're a grown-up? Exactly. So to me, that already sounds a little fishy. And why wouldn't you come out about that a lot earlier? Bias also questioned whether Roy Cronk, the meter reader, that's a fun word to say, who found the bones, had actually removed them from another location and further alleged that the police department's investigation was compromised by their desire to feed the media frenzy about a child's murder rather than a more mundane drowning. So are you telling me this guy, this random guy, moved her bones from one place to another? Well, they're saying no. They're saying he moved someone else's bones. Oh, but but the bones were still um, confirmed to to be the daughter, so confirmed to be Kaylee's. So I don't know how that's even possible. Because people are stupid. Anyway, he admitted that Casey had lied about there being a nanny named Zendia Fernandez-Gonzalez. The trial had lasted six weeks from May to July 2011. There were 400 pieces of evidence shown during this trial. And the prosecution sought the death penalty and it was said that Casey alleged wished to free herself from parental responsibilities and murdered her daughter by administering chloroform and applying duct tape, as we said. The defense contended that Casey lied about this and other issues because of dysfunctional upbringing, which we also said included sexual abuse of her father by her father. Now, we discussed multiple instances where we talked about abuse and how that could lead to a person's future. But to... Murder your own child. That's a whole other level. I mean, listen, all these killers that we've talked about in, in, you know, in the last season, they all led some fucked up lives. Mm-hmm. Probably the most normal 
the most normal, and that's, and that's not saying much. The most normal upbringing was probably in between Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. The most normal upbringing. And, but, when you're a mother, I mean, listen, a lot of women don't experience maternal instincts, but I think the majority do. I don't understand how you can look your child in the eye. Let them die. I mean, that rhymes, anyway. Um, you can't even use, like, postpartum depression, because that's, like, when the baby's still an infant, because I do read stories where the mother experiences such horrible postpartum depression that they actually end up killing their child. And there was a case where a woman killed her children after experiencing psychosis. Exactly. Like, that a psychotic, like a psychotic breakdown. But I don't think you could use it in this instance, because she's not an infant anymore. And plus, yeah, I feel like there was so much evidence of her being just a partier. Yeah. That it made sense that, like, she didn't want... It made sense in this... Okay, it didn't make sense, but, like, it's... I could see it, how, like, she didn't want to be a mother anymore. Like, she just wanted to party. I mean, then again, I don't know how long postpartum depression is for women. Like, I don't have a child yet, obviously. I think it's about, like, a year, I think, or two. I mean, either way, like, I feel like it could be um, extubated by, like, you know, your, you know, postpartum depression would extubate depression. True. Like, it could make you, like, depressed for a long period of time. Still, I don't know. The murder your fucking kid at... That's a whole other level of, like, fucking... Bye. So, anyway, prosecutors called George Anthony as their first witness, and in response to their question, he denied having anything to do with sexual abuse. Uh, He did not sexually abuse his daughter. Uh, Anthony testified he did not smell anything resembling human decomposition in Casey's car when she visited him on June 24th. But he did smell something similar to human decomposition when he picked up her car on July 15th. Cindy testified that her comment on to 911 that Casey's car smelled like, quote-unquote, somebody died, was just a figure of speech. That's a reach. So, the defense did not present evidence to how Kaylee died, or evidence that Casey was sexually abused as a child. But they challenged every piece of the prosecution's evidence, calling much of it, quote-unquote, fantasy forensics. Casey did not testify in her defense. On July 5th, 2011... The case, the jury, found Casey not guilty of first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, and aggravated manslaughter of a child, but guilty of four misdemeanor counts of providing false information to a law enforcement officer. With credit for time served, she was released on July 17, 2011. A Florida appeals court overturned two of the misdemeanor convictions on January 25, 2013. That's just crazy to me. Like... The grandfather and the grandmother said two entirely different things in the beginning of this. To be this. honest with you, I think that they just wanted to protect their daughter, to be honest with you. Still, honestly, as much as if I was a mother and as much as I would love my children, of course, if you murder someone, I can't stick up for you. That's just me, like my morals. Would you be, if you knew your daughter or your son fucking murdered their child. If it was, if they murdered somebody else then, like, that wasn't related to us, and maybe I would want to protect them. But if it was your own child, which would be my grandchild, then I don't think so. No. Like, I really don't think so. That's... Or if you murdered someone that I loved. Exactly. So, the closing arguments for this trial was heard on July 3rd and July 4th. Jeff Ashton, for the prosecution, told the jury, quote-unquote, when you have a child, the child becomes your life. This case is about the clash between that responsibility and the expectations that go along with it, and the life that Casey Anthony wanted to have. He outlined the state's case against Casey, touching on her many lies to her parents and others, the smell in her car's trunk, which was identified by several witnesses, including her own father, as the odor from human decomposition, 
and the items found were Kaylee's skeletal remains in December 2008. He emphasized how Casey quote-unquote maintained her lies and so they absolutely could not be maintained no more, and then replaces them with another lie, using Zanny the Nanny as an example. And they repeatedly told police that Kaylee's was with the nanny, that she specifically identified as, as uh, Zanadia Fernandez-Gonzalez. Police, however, were never able to find the nanny. Authorities did find a woman named with that name, but she did not ever meet the Anthony's, as we stated before. Ashton reintroduced the items found with Kaylee's remains, including a Winnie the Pooh blanket that matched the bedding at her grandparents' home, one of the sets of laundry bags with a twin bed found at the Anthony home, and duct tape said was a relatively rare brand. Quote-unquote, that bag is Kaylee's coffin, Ashton said, holding up, a, holding up a photograph of the laundry bag. As Casey reacted with emotion, he further criticized the defense's theory that Kaylee drowned in the Anthony pool and that Casey and George panicked upon finding the child's body and covered up her death. He advised jurors to use their common sense when deciding on a verdict. Hello? But apparently they didn't. Nope. No one makes an accident look like a murder, he said. On July 5, 2011, as we said, the jury found Casey not guilty of counts 1 through 3 regarding first-degree murder, aggravated manslaughter, and aggravated child abuse. Well, they did find her guilty on the four counts, of which we will emphasize, which we will talk about below. Count four, Anthony said that she was employed at Universal Studios during 2008, uh, pursuant to the investigation of a missing persons report. Count five, Anthony said she had left Kaylee at an apartment complex with a babysitter, causing law enforcement to pursue the missing babysitter. Count six, Anthony said that she informed two employees of Universal Studios, Jeff Hopkins and Juliet Lewis at Universal, of the disappearance of Kaylee. And count seven, Anthony said that she received a phone call and spoke to Kaylee on July 15, 2008, which caused law enforcement to expand further resources. Thank you, Laura. You're welcome. On July 7, 2011, sentencing arguments were heard. The defense asked for the sentencing to be based on one count of lying on the grounds that the offenses occurred as part of a single interview with police dealing with the same matter, the disappearance of her daughter, as one continuous lie. The defense also argued for concurrent sentences, that is, for all four counts to become one count and the sentence to run together as one. The judge disagreed with the defense arguments, finding that Anthony's statements consisted of, quote-unquote, four distinct separate lies in, or in order the sentence to be served consecutively, noting that, quote-unquote, law enforcement expended, expended a great deal of time, energy, and manpower looking for Kaylee Marie Anthony. The search went on from July to December, over several months, trying to find this child. Judge Perry sentenced Casey to one year in the county jail and $1,000 in fines for each of the four counts providing false information, the, maxim the maximum penalty prescribed by law. She received 1,043 days credit for time served plus additional credit for good behavior, resulting in her release on July 17, 2011. Anthony filed an, uh, an appeal on July 15, 2011. The not guilty murder verdict was greeted with public outrage. Well, no fucking shit. And it was both attacked and defended by the media and legal commenters. She complained that the jury misunderstood the meaning of reasonable doubt, while others said the prosecution relied too heavily on the defendant's moral character because they were unable to show how Kaylee actually died. The Time magazine described the case as the social media trial of the century. The case attracted significant amounts of national media attention 
and was regularly the main topic of many TV talk shows, including those hosted by Greta Van Sustern, Nancy Grace, Gerlato Rivera, and many others. It has been featured on Fox's America's Most Wanted. Fun fact, that was on an episode of Drake and Josh, I believe. Um, NBC's Dateline. I love that show. And ABC's 2020. I love that show. Nancy Grace. Fuck that bitch. Anyway, continue. Rude. Nancy Grace. No, I don't fuck with Nancy Grace. Anybody who knows me knows I don't fuck with Nancy Grace. You know, Grace. I'm trying to get through this. Well, you know what? I, I Listen, when Nancy Grace is mentioned, I just have to say, fuck that bitch. Continue. Nancy Grace referred to Casey Anthony as the totem, the tote mom. <laughs> totem? What the fuck? What the fuck does tote even mean? Anyway, <laughs> and urged the public to let the professionals and psychics and police. Why the fuck? Why the psychics? What the fuck? Do their job. This is why I hate Nancy Grace. Casey Anthony's parents, Cindy and George, actually appeared on the Today Show on October 22nd, 2008. And they maintained their belief that Kaylee was alive and would be found. I'm sorry, at that point, that's just in denial. Exactly. I agree with that. Larry Garrison, president of Silver Creek Entertainment, was their spokesman until he resigned in November 2008, citing that he was leaving due to the Anthony family's erratic behavior. More than 6,000 pages of evidence released by the Orange County Sheriff's Department including hundreds of instant messages between Casey and her ex-boyfriend, Tony Ruschiano. I don't apologize for fucking up that name because fuck these two people, were the subject of increased security by the media for clues and possible motives in the homicide. Outside the Anthony home, WESH TV 2 reported the protesters repeatedly shouted baby killer and that George Anthony was physically attacked. George Anthony was reported missing on January 22nd in 2009 after failing to show up for a meeting with his lawyer, Brad Conway. George was found at the Daytona Beach Hotel the next day after sending messages to family members threatening suicide. He was taken to Halifax Hospital for psychiatric evaluation and then was later released. The trial was commonly compared to the O.J. Simpson murder case. Which we definitely want to talk about in one of the next definitely. few episodes. That, I, that's pretty much going to be confirmed. It's coming up within the next four episodes, and I'm really excited to cover that one, too. Because there was a whole bunch of shit that went wrong with that. Yeah. Um, both for its widespread media attention and the initial shock at the not guilty verdict. At the start of the trial, dozens and dozens of people raced to Orange County Courthouse, hoping to secure one of the 50 seats open to the public at the murder trial. Would you ever want to attend a murder trial? Um, I think that would be interesting. It would be probably, it would be heartbreaking, but I mean, maybe I would do that once in my life. Maybe once. I would like to. But fuck jury duty. Fuck that shit. Um... Because the case received such thorough media attention in Orlando, jurors were brought in from Pinales County, Florida. I definitely fucked that up. It's fine. <laughs> and sequest, sequestered. Sequestered. I just had a stroke for the entire trial. <laughs> the trial became a macabre tourist Again attraction. with that fucking word. Macabre. How many? Oh, okay, I've never heard the word macabre like five, like as many times as we've done this. As people, as people <laughs> camped outside for the seats in the courtroom, where scuffles also broke out among those waiting to be seated inside, 
They're treating it like it's a fucking concert. The New York Post described the trial as going from being a newsworthy case to one of the biggest ratings draws in the recent memory. Time Magazine dubbed it the social media trial of the century, as we said. Cable news channels and networks and news programs became intent upon covering the case as extensively as they could. Scott Safon, executive vice president of the HLN, said it was not about policy, but rather the very strong human dimension of the case that drove the network to cover it. Audience for the HLN's Nancy Grace. Fuck Nancy Grace. Rose more than 150% and other news channels deciding to focus on the trial saw their ratings double and even triple. HLN achieved its most watched hour in New York history, which was 4.575 million and peaked at 5.205 million when the verdict was read. Holy shit. According to the Christian Post, the O.J. Simpson case had 91% television viewing audience with 142 million people listening in by radio and watching television as the verdict was delivered. The Simpson case was the longest trial ever held in Florida, costing more than $200 million to fight and defend, running up 500,000 pages of a trial transcript in the process. Wow. And the Casey trial was actually expected to exceed these numbers. So, since the end of the trial, various movements have arisen with the co- with the creation of a new law, which was called appropriately called Kaylee's Law, that would impose stricter requirements on parents to notify law enforcement of the death or disappearance of a child. One such petition, circulated via Change.org, had gained nearly 1.3 million electronic signatures. In response to this and other petitions. Lawmakers in four states, Florida, Oklahoma, New York, and West Virginia, have have begun drafting versions of Kaylee's Law. The law in Oklahoma would require a child's parent or guardian to notify police of a missing child within 24 hours, and would also stipulate a time frame for notification of the disappearance of a young child under the age of 12. Florida law would make it a felony if a parent or guardian fails to report a missing child in a timely manner if they could have known the child would be in danger. The call for mandatory reporting laws have been criticized for as being quote-unquote reactive, overly indiscriminating, and even counterproductive. Critics noted that the law could lead to overcompliance, reports by parents wary of becoming suspects, wasting police resources, and leading to legitimate abductions going uninvestigated during the critical first few hours. Additionally, innocent people could get snared in law for searching for a child instead of immediately calling the police. In November of 2012, WKMG-TV Television Orlando reported that the police never investigated Firefox browser evidence on Casey's computer the day of Kaylee's death. Wow. They only looked at an Internet Explorer evidence. The browser history showed that someone at the Anthony household, using a password-protected account that Casey used, did a Firefox Google search for, for quote-unquote, suffocation at 2.51 p.m. and then clicked on an article criticizing pro-suicide websites promoting foolproof ways to die including the idea of committing suicide by taking poison and putting a plastic bag over one's head. The browser then recorded activity on MySpace, a site that was used by Casey, but not George. The station learned about this information from Casey's attorney, Jose Baez, who mentioned it in his book on the case, speculating that George had contemplated suicide after Kaylee's death. 
He conceded the reporters that the records are open to interpretation. However, he speculated that the state may have chosen not to introduce the search of trial because, according to Baez, the computer records tend to refute the timeline stated by George, which was that Casey left at 12.50 p.m. An analysis by John Goetz, a retired engineer and computer expert in Connecticut, revealed that her password-protected computer activity showed activity on the home computer at 1.39 p.m. The activity on her AIM account, as well as MySpace and Facebook. Wow, remember AIM? Oh, God. I never I'm, had one. I I'm had sorry, an AIM I'm account. Yawning. Off subject, but like, yeah, I had an AIM account. That's, that shit is old. So in April 2016, transcripts of the two 2015 Afro-DVATs of private investigator Dominic Casey were filed on the court docket in the matter of Kronk v. Anthony and picked up by news services in May 2016. In one Afro-DVAT, Casey stated that on July 26, 2008, Baez admitted to him that Casey Anthony murdered Kaylee Anthony. And Casey meaning the um, the private investigator, not Casey Anthony. So Casey, the private investigator, he stated that on July 26, 2008, Baez admitted to him that Casey Anthony murdered Kaylee Anthony and quote-unquote dumped the body somewhere and needed all the help he could, he could get to find the body before anybody else did. He also claimed that, ooh, wow, that Baez had a sexual relationship with Anthony Ugh. and that, quote-unquote, Casey told me she had to do what Jose said because she had no money for her defense. Baez, uh, a sexual relationship. So before we ask each other the question of the day, we just wanted to say quickly that we did gloss over a lot of things, but that's because we were unfortunately running out of time because, you know, we did this last fucking minute as usual. And we are very much aware that there's a lot more aspects to this case, but we kind of just wanted to give a summary. Or this would have been four fucking hours. And I know myself, I don't want to sit here for four fucking hours, but we are very sorry that this is a very short episode. Um, we, again, as I said, we did this last minute. We're, we're always doing this. We gotta stop. We really gotta stop. We really gotta plan ahead, man. But honestly, my job, they, they freaking, uh destroyed me this week like laura had to take the brunt of all this work so thank you to laura for helping me out because this week was horrible for me no problem so back to the back to the podcast so without further ado the question of the day if it isn't obvious enough what me and laura already think is this woman innocent or guilty i'm sorry and but why? if you think this woman is innocent there has to be something wrong with you like come on all this evidence even if chloroform was on her computer once um you can't find her guilty. Like, hello, her car smelt like a dead body. Like, this makes her 100% guilty. And the fact that she is still walking around today after she brutally murdered her child pisses me off. I agree with you 100%. Guilty. Guilty. The case makes me so angry, like I said before, because I feel like there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. But I feel like it was very clear that she at least had something to do with the murder of her daughter. They came up with this whole pool story out of nowhere, and I felt like this whole sexual abuse claim came out of nowhere too, and I feel like I had nothing to do with the case at all. Um, this woman did not report her daughter missing. I mean, the grandmother did not report her daughter missing. Casey was apparently with her. Um, I mean, that tells you enough that she was not reported missing for 31 days. And, you know, I feel like Casey was just a person that was a party girl that did not want to be a parent. And she basically took the easy way out. She tried she killed her own daughter in cold blood. And that's something I can never forgive you for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I hate this bitch. <laughs> I really hate this bitch. 
Um, Settle down. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, um, I, be- I also believe that part of me believes that the grandparents had something to do with it. And not in the way that the defense thought that they did. Yeah. But the grandparents definitely protected her. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it is their child, but still. I, I definitely understand the impulse to want to protect your own child, but I feel like morally, it's definitely fucked up. Um, that's, that's just the bottom line. I mean, your daughter's accused of killing your granddaughter. Mm-hmm. It's not even like she was accused of killing somebody else not even related to them. I mean, that's still horrible. So again, we want to apologize that this is so short, as we always do. We waited till last minute. We promised next week episode will be... The An hour. hour, the happy hour, happy horror hour. Um, and we also want to apologize again for taking a break last week. We just didn't have the time to sit and record a whole entire episode. And I don't um, know if you guys know this, but it takes us like hours and days to like do this it normally. Does. And just as we say every week, we mean we mean no disrespect to the victim or the family of the victim, except Casey Anthony, because fuck Casey Anthony, and also Nancy Grace. Fuck you. All right, settle down. It's okay. This is obviously very horrible, and it's also very fascinating and interesting, and it's just a fun way to express our interest in the topic, so please don't feel disrespected in any way. Like we said in the first part of our podcast, we discuss possible triggering topics, and we do provide a disclaimer. This gives you guys a chance, whether or not you want to listen to our podcast or not. Um, we had a lot of fun making this season, the first episode. For all the limited time that we had. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. Comments and advice are always welcome. Also, if you guys had any genres around the horror area you would like to discuss, send us an email at alhorrorhappyhour at gmail.com. That is capital A, capital L in the beginning. Everything else is lowercase. No spaces in between the letters. Follow us on Instagram at horror.happy.hour. And lastly, follow our Twitter at all capitals, horror happy hour, except an hour, it's H-O-U-1. Like I said, either send us ideas to our email, Twitter, Instagram. We will, once again, I am sorry for not posting fun facts. We will get on that with updates. Um, also, if you want to join our podcast one week, please feel free to email us or DM us ideas and you will be more than happy to have you on our podcast. And if you find our personal accounts, please don't message us there. Just keep it on the horror happy hour. Um, we hope <laughs> you all have a fabulous 4th of July. Except and- you, Casey. And Nancy. Well, yeah. And that is all. This concludes this week's episode of Horror Happy Hour, and we will see you guys next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Guys. Bye.